0: You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast.
1: Welcome one, welcome all, to episode 185 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. We're brought to you today by our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, by golly, I would lay with any of them, Patreon patrons. And (laughs) I don't know what kind of endorsement that is. (laughs) Anyway, and gamemat.eu and they have uh, you know the, the game mats and the, they also offer. EUs, so that's cool. STL files, prepainted train, all of that. you know how you know you know what time it is. It's gamemat.eu time. So what am I talking about today? I've already got off to it's been 35 seconds into this episode and I've gone off to a very odd start. We have Mick Storman back on, which is the first time in quite some time. The real talk today is, why does modern media, video games, movies, board games, why does a lot of it suck? You know, board games may be a little more protected from it, but a lot of modern media just sucks. And we kind of dive into that. It's slightly off topic, although we do end up bringing up Games Workshop quite a bit. And um, then we also have, whether or not, I think the Harlequin Harlequins troops, which are called troops. Um, yeah, they're called troops, but they also are troops. Whether or not we would want them or whether or not we should buy them. And I have quite a bit to say about that. Then we also have a letter from Fergie Ferg, which is one of our Patreon patrons. And he is talking about the Lord of the Rings pricing. He's got to chime in on that after... Uh, after last week when we was talking about the crazy pricing on Lord of the Rings. So that is the episode. What have I been up to? Well, I have been doing absolutely nothing, nothing to comment on. So let's get on to the first segment. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh me. So I actually had um, a neat experience yesterday. I've told you before that my favorite part of this hobby, the whole reason why I got into it, the whole reason why I created, uh, Shorehammer and all that is because I love hanging out with people, making new friends from all across the States and, and really all across the world, to be honest. So I had some friends that I've met through Shorehammer. I've known them for several years. We also have common friends across the States and all that. And, um, we have some common friends in Pennsylvania, etc., and they come to Shorehammer every year. And then um, this, one of the guys that came down owns the gaming store that J- just James and I went to in the beginning of February, I think it is, and we went to that tournament. Remember when I rolled hot garbage for the two first games and it just ugh, took Crusher Stampede and then I got my Stampede crushed? Yeah. So, um Anyway, his name is Ted and the other one's name is Kojo. They're both from New Jersey and they came down to little old Maryland and we hung out. I've got a gaming area with a couple tables and all that. So um, I had um, my friends TJ locally and James and Derek came over and they played with me and Kojo and um, Ted. So we had a lot of fun. We ended up getting two Warhammer games in and then one Brutality game in before they had to get back. Up to the forsaken country of New Jersey, and it was a lot of fun. My first game, I played my um, orcs, which are all Age of Sigmar orcs that I've converted to be more like 40k, so I can play them in both. Um, like the or the Uruk brutes from the Ard Boys, they are my mega knobs, and I gave them shooters on their hip, like they've you know. I'm actually taking just James's idea. Years ago, he was like, Oh, I'd like to make an orc army that also you could use in 40k and say that, like, some sort of portal opened and all this junk dumped out, and now they've got guns. Like, they don't know how to use them or anything, but they use them, like, as artifacts. And I'm like, Oh, that's a cool idea. Yoink. And then I took it because he never capitalized on it. He never did actually do that with his army. So I took it. Uh, Fortune favors the bold, James. Sorry. And I took my orcs and I was playing against Kojo's space wolves. And, you know, I was telling James this. If you looked at the scoreboard, it would be telling a very different story (laughs) than the way it went. I wasn't rolling super hot. I made quite a few very critical bad rolls. And, um, I think Kojo was rolling pretty decent. I mean, not good. I just think it was average because he didn't pass everything he tried. Um, I think he was average and I was a little below average on the rolling there. But, um, he had a bunch of Thunderwolf cavalry. He had a, um, the the dreadnought with the shield and the axe. I don't know if the wolfen dreadnoughts can take that or if it was the other dreadnought. But anyway, um, he had that. He had a bunch of characters on um thunder wolves, and he had uh, what the really nasty thing he had was gray hunters with. I think it was gray hunters. No wolf guard. Wolf guard with Thunderhammer and storm shield with jump packs. And by golly, they just went around and beat my orcs. It was. It was bad. Um, But honestly, we were able to... It was a very interesting game because we didn't do any secondaries. We just did um, four objectives on the board. And each turn, round one, ended with five to five because we were both contesting the two in the middle. And then he would take it before my turn, so then I'd get five points in round two. And then I'd take them back, the middle ones, so that he... Couldn't have them for round two. So then it was 10 to 10. And then round three ended with 15 to 15. And we just kept going back and back. And you're you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's a that's a pretty close game, right? And we're just, you know, slugging it out. Well, the story on the board <laughs> was very different. I was getting my butt handed to me. Um, I did strike back. I did kill a Thunder Wolf. I mean, I killed some stuff, but it was not pretty. Um, I was just able to, I think I played fairly well and I did the best that I could given my rolling and, you know, being that I also didn't know my codex, James handed me the codex about, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes before I played the game. So I was like frantically looking through the pages, trying to figure out what my army does. Cause I have not used the ninth edition orc rule book yet. It's the first time ever. So, uh, yeah, so there's that. But, um, anyway, it was a lot of fun. He ended up beating me, I think 40 to 20 is what ended up because in the last turn he got 15 points and he was already above me by I think five so I think it was round one five five two five five I mean I'm sorry round one five five two ten ten three fifteen fifteen and then round four I think it was I got five and he got ten and then the next turn, he got fifteen. I got nothing. Yeah, that 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 checks out. So that's basically what happened. Um, and it was inevitable. I knew by about turn three. I'm like, yeah, I've I've lost this game. We'll try and do what we can, but. Um and man, the, the fight last thing. He had one of those whirlwinds, which I've never faced probably in my life. And um, if it just hits you, you fight last, which is nasty for my whole melee army. And then also, you know, the armor of rust or whatever. And he's like, hey, you, you suck. You fight last. He just picks a unit. So that was pretty nasty, too. But he used it well. I mean, it was it was still a fun game and it was a close game. Despite me, just my whole side of my board was just wet with orc blood. So, so that's that's the way that went. Then we all ma- um, swapped. And um, TJ and Derek played um, you know, Kojo and Ted, and I ended up getting teamed up with just James. We we played each other. He played Eldar, and he whooped my butt. No, he didn't. Actually, my orcs beat the Eldar. I was pretty shocked by that. Um, we were playing a fifth edition rule, a uh, fifth edition mission from the old battle missions book. James, for some reason, has wanted to do that. So we were scoring. The mission just said you score at the end of the game. So we had no secondaries, no nothing and it was basically who can, who can cap these objectives. There was, um, five objectives and you had to cap them at the end of the game. So luckily I was able to punch him in the face more than he punched me in the face. And I was able to get four out of five of the objectives at the end of the game. So he had like five dire Avengers and Fugan. And I think that's it. I think that's all he had left on the board. And I had a moderate amount, maybe a quarter of my army left. I had I had a moderate amount left. So, that was pretty cool. Um, I was actually shocked that I beat the Eldar because I did not expect that. The Eldar in the very first turn was like, "Oh, Defcop is <laughs> dead." I mean, no problem whatsoever. His things do what D3 plus 3 damage and they he upgraded his sergeant so the Eldar auto wound when they hit. I'm like, "Oh dear god." So, that was nasty. Um, then after that, you know, we ate pizza, et cetera, et cetera, hang out, talk for a while. And then, um, I showed Kojo and Ted the brutality rules because Ted bought the book like years ago or at least a year ago and has never really looked through it. Um, he plays Necromunda. He plays 40K. I don't know about AOS, but, um, he is a skirmish guy. Sometimes he does play some skirmish games. So I, um, Kojo listens to the show. I don't think Ted does, but the point is, is that, um, I was able to run a demo for them. Things, it, it was a swingy game for most of it. They were tied like two to two, but Kojo ultimately just did not have very good luck. Um, he had a couple crucial things. His his leader bled to death on the last turn. I told him, like, uh, Kojo, you, you're going to want to use a free action, your command token, to stop that bleeding. Staunch your own b- bleeding, bro. And he's like, nah, it's fine. And I'm like, okay. And then someone else did like another damage to him, which of course, as soon as you activate when you got bleeding, you immediately lose a hit point. So, uh, that's probably Leroy Jenkins messaging me right now, interrupting the show, Mr. Leroy. It is Leroy Jenkins. All right. Now let's say, let's see what Leroy Jenkins is saying completely out of the blue. Okay. This is no, I'm not going to even tell you what we're discussing. He says either way, Playing against myself, I'm only getting eight points instead of 12. Granted, most people I play, I'd be able to get the 12. Well, there you go. So that was insightful, right? We were talking about, um, Ach- Achman, retrieving Ackman data is what we're discussing. But the point is, Leroy, when you're listening to this show, hey, quit messaging me yesterday, okay? Damn. So anyway, it was a great day. I hope they both enjoyed Brutality, um... at the very end a lot did not go Kojo's way and uh Ted ended up winning six to two I think it was but neither one of them really went after objectives too much either they were just trying to kill each other and the one time that Kojo did try to go after an objective uh he rolled a 10 and a monster came on the board and immediately ate his character so that was that was not fortunate Anyway, I had a blast. Hopefully, I'll do that again, and like I said, this is so cool to be meeting nice people and becoming friends with people all across state lines. I mean, we live uh, roughly four hours away from each other, you know, and it's it's just great times. Warhammer is a great hobby, and it's full of a lot of great people. I don't say this enough, but gamers get a pretty bad rap for being in Warhammer or Magic or whatever, but I gotta tell you, the Warhammer community, by and large, there are toxic people. There are... You know, um, woman haters or what. A, there are obviously bad people, but they are definitely the minority. Everybody that I have met in Warhammer is pretty nice people. They're at least cordial, right? And that's all you can ask in life of strangers is to just at least be cordial. And um, anyway, let's get on to the next segment because I am starting to ramble. But I did have a great time. Hopefully, we'll do it again next year. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And now it's time for Tesseract Mailbox where we have an email from one of our Patreon patrons. Me 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 me. Uh Fergie Ferg. And Ferg says, "Hey Pimp, just finished listening to your last pod and wanted to chime in about the Middle-earth prices. I too have been bitten by the Lord of the Ring bug and I am currently looking to get back into it after 12 years away." Wow, 12 years. <laughs> that is a long time to be away from a game, but I can definitely see why you'd want to get back into it because um You know, if you already got the miniatures and everything. With the low model count, the game generally needs, and my old collection still in my parents' attic somewhere, I figured I could get started again on the cheap. But man alive, are there some random prices on these models. I think it all depends on whether your particular army has got its core units in plastic or not. And that's one of the the things I definitely was wondering about, between fine cast or maybe even metal. They might still do stuff in metal for Lord of the Rings. A perfect example was in a recent Warcom article interviewing a tournament winner at Warhammer World. He had two lists, one evil, one good, both at 700 points. I think that's the standard game size these days. The evil list was a horde of 20 orcs, some elites, some heroes, and the Witch King. Meanwhile, his good list was the more obscure fiefdoms of Gondor, they're in the books, but not in the films, which used a lot of resin and even some Forge rolled models. I decided to price them both out to see how they compare. The evil list, when bought directly from GW, came to just under 100 pounds, while the good list was slightly north of 250 pounds, or whatever it is in the fun bucks you use. (laughs) Uh, You already found one of the most infamous models, the Rohan Royal Guard Cavalry, but there is also the Swan Knights of Dull Amroth, who will set you back 42 pounds for six of them, on foot. Wow. They're not even on, they're not even on steeds. They are six people on foot for 42 pounds. 42 pounds is, I'm um, going to guess about 60 some dollars US. And meanwhile, a plastic kit of the same six knights on horseback is only 26 pounds. So it's nearly half the price for them on horseback versus them on foot. Who thought this was a good idea? You also need to bear in mind that it's very easy for cavalry models to lose their mount in-game, so players always need to have some on-foot models on standby if they want to play correctly. Anyway, none of this is going to stop me from playing again. I'm feeling very nostalgic, and they have just released a bunch of new models for my favorite evil army, Easterlings. I'm just a sucker like that. Keep up the good work, Fergie. Now, once again, thank you so much for writing, Fergie, and thank you for supporting the show. Uh... You know, that's really something I didn't know about Lord of the Rings, and I think I'll probably end up buying the rule book just to read the rules, but I did not realize that your cavalry could be dismounted. That's, I don't know if I love or hate that idea. Number one, just like you said, if you've got six horsemen, horse knights, right? You're going to pay 26 pounds for six of them, but then to play properly, you got to pay another 42 pounds in case... All of them get dehorsed, if you will. That is kind of punitive. Like, I get, you said if you want to play properly. So, I guess if you're going to play improperly, if your horse knights get dehorsed or if they get um, killed, you just remove the models and you don't get them on foot. But as far as realism, it's actually pretty cool that your models could be dismounted and now they're fighting on foot. That's actually pretty cool. I'm curious to know if whether or not they stay in the unit, because obviously now cavalry will have different abilities and movement ranges and all that from foot soldiers. I wonder if that splits off into a smaller unit of just foot soldiers, or are they just, like, you know, running behind the cavalry the rest of the game. But either way, thank you for writing in. I really do appreciate it, and you know what? This is my last email in the bucket. So, uh, come on, guys. You need a Fergie. Fergie stepped up to the plate. And, uh, you know, why don't we hear from a lady, you know, we got any women out there? I know we do because occasionally I hear from you. So why doesn't a lady chime in on, uh, lady stuff, uh, whatever, just chime in. What you, whatever, whatever you want, chime in. It's pimpcron with two P's at gmail.com or, uh, I don't know if I changed the Facebook page to back to pimpcron or pimcron. I don't know. I was planning on to put the P back in it. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's facebook.com slash pimpcron or pimpcron. Not positive which one it is now. I've been flip-flopping so much. Anyway, let's get on to the next segment.
0: Want that or want
1: that not? On this week of want that or want that not, Games Workshop has a pretty sparse new release section this week of things that we've already covered. So I figured, you know what? I've got such the Harlequin bug that I'm going to cover a Harlequin model because I am desperately waiting for my Harlequins to come in that I ordered from the store to start my Harlequins army. So, um, I have some bones to pick with the Harlequin Troop, which of course, T-R-O-U-P-E rather than T-R-O-O-P, although confusingly enough, they are also a T-R-O-O-P. It is the troop unit for the Harlequins, and by troop, I mean T-R-O-O-P, but... I mean, it still is the T-R-O-U-P-E, but it's a, it's a, it's like a troop troop. Like a, like a, anyway, so it's six models for $42. Um, that's a bit pricey, but okay, fine. They're kind of an elite army, right? And they are running about, like you'd expect. They have, if you don't know, they have like anti-grav flip belts. That's gives them the invul and they, you know, pass over people as if they fly, all of that nonsense, and a lot of these are actually fine-looking, but they definitely could be better. I mean, 100%, they could be better poses. They are running and jumping and all of that. They've got their caress or their harlequin kiss or whatever their close combat weapons they're equipped with are, and they've all got their pistols, you know, the neuro disruptor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's, that's all fine and well, and they're all basically off the ground. They're all like attached to a piece of scenery to make them look like they're leaping, that's actually pretty good. Um, out of this whole squad, I think there's one, you know, the meme about the fat little girl with the uh, yellow raincoat and she's running from something. I don't know where that originated from, but you, you know what I'm talking about. One of them is in that pose. And I don't even mean that comically. Like, it's actually a pretty cool pose. It's like turning and running at the same time. It's actually a pretty cool pose. There's another one that's leaping and kind of turning back, like looking back them. And uh, they're pointing their weapon at somebody. You know what? That's a pretty cool pose. Then you've got another one that is also leaping and looking to the left and holding out their gun. That's a perfectly fine pose. But what I have a problem with is the Troopmaster. It is one of the stiffest poses I've ever seen. And ironically, it's on one of the most mobile units, the most acrobatic units in the entire game. The Troopmaster, which also ends up being like the. It's like either the sergeant for the group, but you can also make it an HQ. I don't know what their deal is, but essentially that's what it is. And he's so freaking stiff. He looks like he is made of matchsticks or something. Like, there's no movement to this guy. There's no nothing. His arms are... St- His arm. You know what? This model looks like a six-year-old designed it. Like, the six-year-old's like, Daddy, Daddy, I hear you're designing clowns. Well, here, I drew a picture of one. And whoever digitally sculpted this is like, oh, oh, you know, I'll I'll use that as the template for this model because it's very arms straight out in opposite directions and one knee bent and another knee bent under him. And it's just so, so boring, incredibly boring. And I guess I'll round out the rest of the unit with the other two people next to him. They're okay, but they're also very stiff. They do not look like they're leaping or climbing. They don't look like they're sprinting or flipping. None of that. They're kind of just very straight-legged and I don't care for them. So out of these six poses, I think three of them are pretty cool. The other three, including the sergeant slash HQ for your army, is so lame. One of the worst sculpts GW has ever done in recent years. I'm not talking about years and years ago, a decade ago. I'm just saying I I find it offensive that, that this would be the super static pose of this character. And I've ordered a bunch of I think 3 or 4 boxes of Harlequins, but what I'm also going to do and what I've already done is ordered a 20-man box of Sisters of Slaughter from Daughters of Cain, if you know who that is. And that is an Age of Sigmar army of course, but the Sisters of Slaughter is the exact opposite of this. The Sisters of Slaughter are all wearing, like, spandex and stuff. They have these gold face masks, and they've got whips and something else, but they are so mobile, and they are so dynamically posed, and each one of them, any one of those models in that 20-man group, you're like, wow, that she really looks like she's running or turning or sprinting or leaping. They, they're very, very agile. So what I've done is I've ordered a 20-man box of that, And then I've ordered three or four boxes of Harlequin troops, and I'm going to end up kitbashing them together using, obviously, the Harlequins, the three good poses out of the six, I'll keep probably. But the stiff legs and everything of the other three that I hate, I'm going to end up using the uh, Sisters of Slaughter legs where they're sprinting and running and rolling and all that. And um, even, to be honest, the Sisters of Slaughter, you might be able to use their masks as well, because they've got these golden, like, devil masks. You might be able to use them if you painted them white for the Harlequins. So I'll see if that is something I could actually do. But I imagine it will be fairly easy to swap out legs, because, you know, the Harlequins are all different colors, and practically none of them are the same anyway. If you look at them, one of them has like actual trousers and then the other one's got leggings and another one's got uh, thigh-high boots and another one's got knee pads. They're all pretty unique anyway. So I figure as long as I keep the masks, the, um, the Harlequin masks, and give them the appropriate weapons, and of course probably keep the tops, you know, with the arms and everything, I think I can make quite a few Harlequins and they're all going to look really cool versus the... You know, you buy a box of six for $42 and half of them are super, super stiff. And, uh, anyway, so ultimately, yes, it is a want that for me. $42 for six models for an elite army is, I guess, okay. I'm not thrilled about that, that price point, but, um, I just think that definitely one out of six is an absolute garbage pose. One of my least favorite poses is they've ever made. I mean, they had old, hand-sculpted metal models that had more motion and more uh, dynamics than this this troop master. So I guess three out of, I mean, uh, five out of six of them being tolerable and three out of six of them being good is, you know, okay. I mean, I really need to buy this box. I'm over barrel because I need the masks, I need the pistols, and I need the weapons. So if nothing else, I definitely need those boxes for that. But um, I do like the aesthetics, they do have some cool jackets and stuff like that, so, I mean, it's not all bad, it's just, it's just a little odd, um, and I don't know who approved that Troop Master whatsoever. Anyway, so it is ultimately a want that for me, I've ordered several boxes of them, but I really think these Sisters of Slaughter is going to give it some really cool dynamic poses. Anyway, that's it for Want That or Want That Not, and let's get on to the next segment.
0: Now it's time for real talk with Pimpcron.
1: Hey, this is this is Real Talk with the Pempcron. Well, uh coughs all over me. Yep. Hi, McStorman. <laughs> I got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> now we all do. So uh, we want to discuss something that is a little off topic, but it's kind of related to Warhammer. And why does most modern media suck today? And whether you're talking about video games or Games Workshop or movies or whatever, it seems like everything sucks. And why do you think that is, Mick Darwin?
0: I think just it's they're trying to monopolize on that brand, and by doing so, they water it down because they're just trying to produce it quickly. Yeah, and by doing that, they're just they're they're not focusing on the quality.
1: I I think the the thing that's missing is like passion mm-hmm. is a love for the property. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like um like you're telling me about Tolkien and um Lord of the Rings where you know he lived in that world. Mm-hmm. Like that was his in his mind he lived in the Shire in Middle Earth about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. He didn't necessarily write his books for money. I mean of course he made money off it, but but he he did it because he loved it. He had a passion. So um, even if you look at the Peter Jackson films, mm. Peter Jackson clearly loved Lord of the Rings and clearly respected Tolkien yeah. because those movies were fantastic. And they, they're even put on record that he intentionally, he told all of his writers and everybody, um, do not put any politics, any anything in this movie. We're not putting any of our own points of view. We're just trying to represent what was on the page, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah. And look how fantastic those movies yep. turned out. Now, contrasting the studios i think it's warner brothers i forget who it was but um the studios that made the hobbit movies they're shit Uh because i think even though it's still peter jackson they decided oh you know what the hobbit is one book and they decided to make it into three movies do you remember that Mm -hmm. and there's nothing going on in these movies they actually had to change the plot some and and expand some things to make three movies i'm like Dude, you're just milking the property. Yep. There's no more love for it. You're just milking it, and and think about D and D. D and D. Gary Gax um invented D and D with his friends or whatever, and and he truly loved that setting, that system, all that. And then the minute you start losing the rights to it, once once someone else buys your company or whatever, all it is is a milk machine. They just milk the property for everything they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's basically my opinion of it is that it takes for something to be good. Someone has to really love the property and care about it. Yep. You know, does that make
0: sense? No, I, I agree. It's much like, um, you start a business. Only you are going to care about that business and work hard for it. And yep. then say one day you sell it or give it to your, your son or whatever. They're not going to work as hard or put much quality into it as much as you did. No. It's just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things because you created this thing. And when somebody takes it over, they're like, Oh, I like it, but it's like, eh, I just want to make the money. I'm not really about it. About How it too can much. I make the money? Yep. yep,
1: that's and and of course I'm not anti-capitalist. Danger. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not. there's no reason why you mm-hmm. should not be paid if you do quality work and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you're only doing it for the 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 cash versus you know, the love of it. Yeah. That that's two different things. So, um and you're right about that. Think of even like um I often say that I'm not anti-capitalist or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but corporations are kind of a bad idea. So when you incorporate, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but essentially these CEOs get paid a bajillion dollars. And the reason why is because you are hiring someone. You got to pay them a lot of money in hopes that they care enough about their paycheck that that translates into caring about the business. Because people that are CEOs, a lot of them are professional CEOs They were the CEO of GE. Now they moved over to the CEO of Krispy Kreme. Mm -hmm. Do they know anything about electric or donuts?
0: No. Mm -hmm. They they know how big money, grow, investments.
1: And the only way to attract those type of people that you hope care a little bit about your Mm -hmm. business is by giving them buckets of money. So once again, they don't care about the business they just care about the money.
0: Yeah, and then once they get in there, they're they're like, "Okay, we know that people are passionate about this product that we mm-hmm. have, in our, but it's not a really good seller, so we're going to revamp it and then try to make more money off of it." And by doing so, it hurts the fans because they liked the original label yep. or package, and then now you change it to make more money. Yep. And it's just it's, it's, it's they don't care about what what the fans that the the heart, the love. They don't care about, they just care about the money.
1: I mean, I know the Star Wars movies, the new the latest 3, I know they're divisive, but uh as soon as Disney made it, look how much even if you love this new stuff, mm-hmm. even if you love all the new Star Wars stuff, Boba Fett and all that, they are milking it as hard yes. as they yes, can. Yes, they are.
0: It. <laughs> yes, they are. And by do I, I honestly I love Star Wars, but the the, the last 3 I was disappointed. Yeah. I, I think the quality was just the storyline was just, ugh.
1: Yes, it was. I mean, there were some... I mean, of course, the graphics and all were good, but it just it just didn't have the heart no, it that didn't. the old ones did. And regardless, you know, everybody... It's funny. Everybody used to shit on the prequels, uh-huh. you know? But now that the the latest three come out, people uh-huh. are like, well, the prequels aren't so bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I agree. <laughs> but also, um, you know, uh, George Lucas... Made mistakes clearly with mm-hmm. the prequels, right? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And it seems like the original three movies, he had a lot of good guidance. Uh-huh. Like he had, um, there's I don't know their names, but there's several significant like producers, directors, whatever. I
0: didn't Spielberg didn't he produce that, a couple of Star Wars too? They worked together.
1: I don't recall, but I know that he had a bunch remember. of like advisor type people yeah. that helped come up with ideas and help refine what his ideas were. Uh-huh. And he didn't have any of them for the prequels. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. It was
1: it was unhinged Lucas, right? Uh-huh. But you can't deny that George Lucas loved Star Wars. Yeah. Like, and look how long he took to really cash in again. Mm-hmm. It took him, what, 20, 30 years before the... 20 years. Yeah. Until the prequels came out.
0: More you than... Know? that. Was it, was it the 2000s that L- came out? Well, probably, probably 30 years. I
1: thought it was like 99 or something, but either way.
0: Because they came out in the 70s, the original Star Wars.
1: Yeah. But
0: well, but
1: you get the point, yeah. though, is mm-hmm. that, yes, he did milk Star Wars too with merchandise and all mm-hmm. that, but... It seems like when he made the movies, he cared much more about the characters. He made, you know, he cared much more about all of that. Um, and, you know, it's funny. It's kind of embarrassing. But when I was younger, like when I was a kid, I always thought that companies made new products because they cared about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, seriously, like, OK, yeah, I know what you mean. So when Heroclix comes out with a new set of Heroclix, mm-hmm. as a kid, I thought, oh, somebody at Heroclix said. Hey, you know what would be a really cool set? Mm-hmm. And they make the set. I didn't realize that they were obligated to make a new set to keep up profits. Mm-hmm. So that it's like it's, it's, it's not, not the same. Be naive in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <coughs> but that's not the same though.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, if you if you come up with something because you love it and you're passionate, mm-hmm. versus you basically need to pay the rent. Yeah, that's two different things completely. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, look. Let me look at Warhammer. I mean, I'm sure you and your fans would would know. Um, there's things that you guys could say, like, "Hey, it would make Warhammer hundred times more better mm-hmm. if you did it X, Y, and Z." And you, you probably have ninety nine percent of the Warhammer community behind it. But you know, the company's like, mm, "That's not very profitable." Exactly. So we're not going to do it that way, and it, it kills you guys. You're like, "Oh, it'd be so much better if you did it like this." Yep. And it's just frustrating because you guys are the passionate ones. Yep. but they look at the dollar signs more than they look at the passion, which is not a fault of their own per se.
1: They have shareholders to pay, yep. so I, I get that.
0: So, it's, but it's also it's just frustrating because like this game could be so much better if you did it like this, and then they go nah, <laughs> and it's like oh, so. we're
1: we're gonna make the most r- lucrative route. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And and you know, GW wasn't always publicly traded; it is now. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a pretty marked difference after they became publicly <laughs> traded. That all of a sudden now they have to pay that rent. Yeah. They have to keep yep. producing. And it's just, it's a shame. Yep. I don't think GW, I think the people that work at GW probably do love the game. Most of them. But it, ultimately it comes down to the cash. Yep. And it's just a shame. D&D, the rate at which they crank out. You know, it's so funny. They said D&D. Oh, oh, D&D so,
0: yeah, that's getting old.
1: So they said 5th edition D&D, mm-hmm. right? The newest D&D. They said it was going to be a living edition. No more editions of DVD, D D D V D, <laughs> D and D. They're not putting out any more editions. They're just going to put out a bunch of supplements, mm-hmm. and it's a
0: living edition. Yep.
1: And then a couple months ago, they're like, "Oh, <coughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah, we're coming out with six edition." I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> they, god!" They, they probably realize like, "Oh, we need to make money." And I <laughs> think about how's DD making money by not by selling only selling books.
1: Well, they have. Or the
0: miniatures. They get the miniatures out now, but.
1: Well, that's true too. But they've come out with like thirty supplements, so they've. That's how they've been making the money. Yeah, they but time.
0: that's I I still don't understand how they make money because you have a friend that just prints it out for you and you true. save money. To, like like Netflix finally wised up, and they just announced last week I think that they're gonna start charging people that are sharing uh-huh. their accounts. Yeah. Like, hello, you should have done it a long time ago, maybe But like <laughs> the same thing with D and D. Like I I could just have, like say there's ten of us playing D and D. We just pay. I'll give you money. You buy it and give us the copy of the supplement or whatever. You so, could do that. Yeah. So how in the world do you? How do you world make money off of that is beyond me. There's there's a lot of people that would rather pirate the material than to pay. Was it thirty bucks for a book or whatever yep. it is?
1: Especially when you feel like they're just being money yep. money hungry. You know. So. Um. And some of those supplements, <laughs> some of them have been really useful, and other ones for D and D have really not been. And like, um, Warhammer. You'll buy a 40 or $50 book, a supplement, right? Mm-hmm. It's got four pages of rules. Yeah. The rest of it's lore and a bunch of fluff. Yeah. But but what you're really buying it for is those four pages. Yep. And then they wonder why people pirate stuff. Yeah, like, exactly.
0: <laughs> but like you're going back to saying that people need to make money. They yep. got to come up with a way to keep think people coming back, making fresh, and, and I get it.
1: And the, like like my my family business and your business, right? Mm. If we, right now, we make a living already. If we never grew even 1%, we just made the same amount of money uh-huh. for the rest of our life, you could live off that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep producing more, yeah. but corporations are beholden to their stockholders. They have to make a 1%, 2%, 4% growth yep. every single year. Now, if you're Pepsi, right? Yep. How do you make more people drink Pepsi? Hey. It's already everywhere. Yep. How do you do that? But they're beholden to do that. Yep. They have to find a way to cut costs. And if you can't sell more Pepsi, then suddenly you've got to cut costs
0: somehow. Yep. You know, the and costs it's, are more merchandise. Yep. You got to find a way another way at revenue.
1: And and perhaps. once again, if if my family business or your business, if we never made an extra dollar, yep. we'd be fine. Yep. We don't have to keep growing. Like it's not because we're not corporations. Yep. So, and, and like I said, I don't even hate corporations. I just think it's kind of a, a bad idea in the long run, you know?
0: 20, and, well, in a perfect world, you would have, you wouldn't have to have them, you know yeah. what I mean? But that's not how the world works and people don't do it that way.
1: But it's just a shame that time and time again, like every time, it's gotten to the point now, I'm sure you're the same way. <laughs> you're the same way mm-hmm. that, um, when I see a reboot of something, I'm like, oh God. Yeah, I know. It's like, like oh, just It's going to be crap.
0: It's going to be crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's because they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like they
0: they're banking on the fans the diehard fans because they know they're going to pay anything to see that movie because it's been 20 years since the movie came out and they're like oh my gosh I gotta get that freaking movie because I'm a hardcore fan and then you go see it and you're like you're let down because they just they wanted to throw something out there and then bank on the fact that you're going to see it anyway because you're a diehard fan and then voila they got the money yeah it's a real shame I mean it's kind of what Warhammer's doing you know they know they got the diehard fans the Play Die Hard till they die. Or yeah. not Die Hard, but play Warhammer till they die. Yep. And they'll come up with whatever crap and shiny object dangle in front of you and you go, you know what, I'll I'll buy that. Yep. I'll collect that. That looks nice.
1: And it's a higher and higher price. Yep. And it's and once again, I don't I don't think they shouldn't make money. I yep. mean they're they're a business, but it's just the idea that you know they have to constantly make
0: more money. It's yep. like it's just I just wish that they would listen and like say there was something that they they could make that is not very profitable. They do it anyway, just for the fans. Almost like a thank you. Like, yeah. Hey, thanks for supporting us. Guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna make this new rule or we're gonna change this up yeah. so you guys cause you guys requested it and it's a it's a nice idea. You know, we're not gonna make much money off of it, but we're gonna do it for you guys.
1: Well, it's just like and I'm gonna I'm gonna pat my own back here for a minute, but it's just like brutality, right? Mm-hmm. Brutality, I come up with a new thing, and I'm like, oh shit, it would be awesome if I came up with pre made enemy stats and a whole gauntlet mode you could play through this arena mode whatever i came up with an idea that i thought was cool Mm -hmm. i didn't come up with an idea because i had to make more money like
0: yeah
1: i mean i don't make that much money off it anyway but it's it's the passion thing just like uh, now i'm i'm definitely should not be putting myself in the same level as tolkien and all them Uh but i do live in the brutality realm yep. like in my head you always think, i'm yeah, work you're thinking about it. i'm always around. thinking about it mm-hmm. and because i love it it's, it is my true passion i love it i love everything about it and i never get sick of it and it's the same thing with george R. R. martin when he was made in song of fire and ice mm-hmm. or even the the movie directors or gary gygax get gygax loved D till the day he died mm-hmm. and it's because it, it was in his head yep. you know it's just it's a shame so um, my latest supplement was, hey, I wonder if I could link narrative missions and make it like even more of a blend of RPG and brutality. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the idea. It wasn't somebody, some corporate going, all right, Scott, we need to make another whatever amount of money. You got to produce a new book. And I go, oh, shit. And then, then I come up with the idea. Yeah. The idea came mm-hmm. up because I was like, oh, that'd be cool, which is exactly how, as a kid... I thought businesses ran because like, <laughs> you'd think that people love the product they're making. Yep. But really, they're all just employees. Yep. Like they're just and if the paycheck wasn't good, they'd probably just leave. So going back to um, the businesses making bad decisions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's also um, businesses make bad decisions again because their employees don't give a crap. Yeah, like, they're,
0: they're for a paycheck.
1: Yeah, they're there for a paycheck. And it's the same thing with CEOs and all that. Very few people, like you said, they, they don't go, what's best for the game? Mm-hmm. They go, well, we got to make more money. And that's basically how it goes. Yep. So it's like um, uh, HeroClix constantly fumbles stuff. They will get the IP for Ninja Turtles or they'll get the IP for Star Trek or they'll do whatever and they'll make a couple sets, but then they don't make enough, or they make way too many, or whatever, and they go, "Oh, this doesn't sell." Well, and then they just stop, and then they stop. But the thing is, is it, it would sell if you X, Y, or Z. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of times, HeroClix they're too st- they're too stingy with the characters because they want to milk it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you bought, if you were into Star Trek and you bought the Star Trek HeroClix. You would want all the main cast members and all the, you know, you'd want a lot of aliens and stuff like yep. that. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll get a few cast members and then you'll get a bunch of generic people with no name, yep. like security officer, uh-huh. you know that bullshit. And then they'll pick one or two aliens, and that's it, because they want the next set to have more they force names. Force you to people. buy it to get the yeah, people. and yep. I'm like, good god. But then, when they do that, they try to milk it as long as they can, yeah. and when it doesn't do well because they're trying to milk it, yeah. then they're like, "Oh, this doesn't sell." Well, it's,
0: like, it, well, it, <laughs> it's hard because there's only so many characters in it. You know
1: what I mean, <sighs> dude? Star Trek is huge.
0: I know, but there's only <laughs> but say that you say you had it, that game for 20 years, a miniature game. You probably already print them all out at that point. Sure. So you gotta you gotta add fluff into it to water it down to keep selling. And I agree with you.
1: I agree with you, but. I think like especially the Star Trek set, Mm -hmm. they watered it down so much
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that out of all the things you could have done, they give you like 5% of it Uh. because they want to make another set and another set Mm -hmm. and another set. But there's a certain critical mass point where you water it down not enough or too much. Yeah, Not enough and you run out of ideas within a couple sets, but if you water down too much people are going to lose interest which is not well sell. that's
0: the problem they have with um TV series like if they say they made a really good season people loved it Die Hard Vans. uh uh-huh. and then they waited. It, it took them like 4 years to make the second season Oh. Right. and then by then a lot of fans they walked away from it cuz it's been so long and then the thing tanks they, the whole thing gets shut down after the second season because all the fans left yeah it's like you got to keep fresh you got to keep constant and if you're not if you're not producing new product or qual- quality of um whatever you're you know whatever you're getting into fans just naturally walk away Mm -hmm. so you got to keep hooking people back into whatever you're doing if you're not hooking people back in you ain't making money and you're you're done
1: i'm really surprised that games workshop and what you're saying is completely true Mm -hmm. i'm shocked the games games workshop has been able to continuously hook people yeah because the higher and higher prices the complicated more and more complicated game Mm -hmm. like why how yeah because
0: that (laughs) that's the thing like it if they if, if they're not if if they're not careful they could they could obviously push people away from it and then getting new people into a game that's super complicated is a deterrent. Yes, like, honestly, for me, for example, I look at it, I'm like what the freaking hell is yep. this? If they were just to dumb it down, like dumb it down for people like me. Any new player. Yeah, make it just simple, man. Simple. Just make... I I guess some people would argue, oh, it makes it fun. But but yeah, for you. Mm -hmm. But new people coming into it is a daunting task. It is. It's very daunting.
1: That's why the last edition, 8th edition, they did, Mm -hmm. they simplified everything. And it was my favorite. It was my
0: favorite edition. It's kind of like growing up in a strict household. If you grew up in a strict household, you're like, oh, this is normal life. Mm -hmm. But if you have a friend come over... And like, holy crap! This place is strict. You're not used to it. Then you are like, you <laughs> don't. I, I never wire. want to come over again. But to you, it's like, this is my life. I, I grew up. I grew up with Warhammer with all the rule changes. And you, you sleep in a cage. You're, yeah, you're adjusted to it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So what happens when all the people that are adjusted to Warhammer, they die off, you get old, yep. or they get out of it? Then you get the young people coming in behind them. Like, what the hell is this crap?
1: They might pick a simpler game. They
0: might go, screw this. This is too complicated. Yep. So I mean, they got a they got a problem in the future. I'll say next, say twenty years or so. I don't
1: even know if they're going to be around in twenty years because of the whole three D printing thing. I know it's a whole other topic. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, dude, and part of me, I really wonder if they're trying to crank out as much as they can because uh-huh. they know their time is numbered. Yep, their just, years are numbered. And they
0: could just sell it and then retire. And, yep. It's like restaurants where we live. They they will run a restaurant for twenty five years and mm-hmm. then sell it and go retire. You know that's, that's it. It's just that's how what people do around here. They just cash in.
1: Yeah, and I think um I think they're trying to cash in as much as possible mm-hmm. yep. before the three D printing really takes hold, yep. which it practically has now. I mean, there's a million Space Marines on on online you can just download and print. Yeah, there's a
0: million orcs. There's yep. a million, dude. Yeah, that's so the next person that comes up with the idea to make a game or the way to to regroup everyone, they're going to be a multi-millionaire of a way to people could reta- retain retain mm-hmm. of interest into like almost like a focal point to gain everyone's attention into one game. There's got as so you come up with that idea because right now just no, it's just too, it's too much competition. There's too much. Uh, lack of focus. Mm-hmm. That no one, no one's gonna make money except the people that already have the money. are mm-hmm. the ones that are gonna st- stay off live. It's almost like a recession in a, mi- in a miniature realm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people that have money, the rich, the rich people, they're gonna be fine during the recession, but everyone else, you're you're screwed.
1: It's true. And G- GW, that's what they did in the in the early 90s, late 80s, is they made it on top. Yep. Kind of like Pepsi and Coke. Mm-hmm. Pepsi and Coke are on top, yep. okay? So if you're going to be RC Cola somewhere at the bottom, mm. you're never going to be at the no. top. Nope. They have to really screw up to drop from the top, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, just, it's just a shame because I, I look at all these reboots and I look at a lot of the new video games and I look at all this stuff and GW cranking out stuff nonstop and I'm like... It's all about money, and that I'm not anti-money, <laughs> yeah. but it just seems like they lost their heart. Yeah, like there's no creative heart to anything. Well, it's anymore. it's
0: like I said before. It's hard to get people be passionate what you're passionate about. Yeah, it it really is. Yep, like, it could be your next of kin. It could be your own son about your brutality. Yep, he might go. eh, I'm not really about it. I'm not yep. making money, though. You're like, oh, I'll do it to make the money, Dad. Yep. But then you're like, oh, well, I wanted you to, like, love it for the game, like, the way I love it. And he's like, no, I don't love it the way you love it. And because
1: they didn't go through that same journey that yep, you did. Of development mm-hmm. and all that. The same memories. With,
0: the memories you formed. Yep. And,
1: yep. Same thing with building a business, mm-hmm. like you said. All the time. How many times have you heard of someone loved his business, mm-hmm. he built this huge business, and when he dies, he gives it to his kids, and it's immediately bankrupt. Or they sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like...
0: Well, I mean, that's just like that's just. I think it's a common problem with like. Remember, I mean, everyone everyone goes through this. The, you know, your father is like almost disappointed you didn't go the route that he wanted you to yes. go, and and it's and it's almost like most fathers back in the day didn't realize, hey, just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean I'm passionate about it. Yep. let me do what I want to do, and and it's the same thing with the gaming community or the media, or the games, the reboots, and yeah, people they they just think that. Oh, okay. We could create another another game or another of this, and you we're passionate about it, but we all want to make money, and you should like it too, and no one likes it, and then <laughs> it just then it goes down down the shitter. So it is to speak.
1: it is sad, and if you look at Star Wars or anything, mm-hmm. Gene Roddenberry. I mean, he was lucky that the um, Star Trek TNG Voyager DS9 and Enterprise was ran by someone that Gene Roddenberry trained. Mm-hmm. It was Rick Berman. Um, but now the new Star Trek sucks. Uh, I, didn't, I
0: don't hear anything about, it, so it must suck. Usually, dude. if it's good, something's good. People are like, "Oh,
1: it's so freaking good!" Oh, another example of milking stuff. Uh-huh. You know how many uh, Star Wars shows there are right now, uh-huh. right? Like oh, a yeah. like a oh, bajillion yeah. They're coming out, okay? like,
0: and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah,
1: well, that's like aggressive milking. Uh-huh. Well, Star Trek currently. <laughs> I a picture going. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but, um. <laughs> they're milking it so hard it's turning to cheese before it comes out
0: <laughs> That cow's like
1: yes yes oh the and the butter i guess yeah. it's butter but it's just yeah, yeah. spaghetti noodles of butter coming out it's like yeah <laughs> but the point is is that you, would you would you believe that there's like five star trek shows on right now
0: Oh, that's insane. That's insane. But yeah, they, they got, what, Picard? They Picard,
1: got... Discovery, Lower Decks, Prodigy. Yeah, that's insane. Um, There's uh Brave New World's about to come How out. How supposed to keep up
0: with all that um, stuff?
1: There's sect- Sector 31 about to come out. Uh, I mean, it's like, and what it is, it's aggressive milking. Yep. They're trying to milk as much as they can, and then throw but it was, away.
0: But it was so funny about that, when you re- say that, well, oh, you say six... Shows are five or six, yeah. You you're you're dividing your fan base. So then all your fan, it's almost like um, when it comes to politics, when you have like, say, you got the the left and the right, and then you got like the third independent person running. Yes. you're you're pulling votes away from the person that really should be focused on. Yeah, and the same thing with the TV shows and are in gaming. It's, you're pulling everyone – everyone's divided up, so you're not making a bunch of money. But if you if you just made one t- – like Star Trek, if you just focus on one TV show. One good TV show. You would show. make more money for the comp- for the, the production company. Yeah. So they're, they're, I know what they're trying to do. They're fishing. They're trying to find that one yes. niche that's going like, to take off. But in reality, I think it's just to focus on one show and one show – do it for 10 years, retire that show – create another show as but long as it's a good show yes yeah. but don't keep you on like five shows at once because that's just you're splitting up your fan base and
1: you burn people out yes
0: because people are overwhelmed by it yep just like the, the rules of warhammer yep. you keep adding rules and rules and rules and people are just gonna walk away
1: and this ninth edition uh-huh. this most latest edition that's all they've done is oh add my. rules and to be honest with you danny or mm-hmm. mick Storman, mm-hmm. to be honest with you my gaming club has slowly shrunk since
0: this new edition, uh-huh.
1: we've slowly lost four or five people because they're You're just pi- like I'm burned out. I yeah, can't, I, I can't keep up with this. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's it. It's it, they think they're creating fresh content. I think I think that's I think they're up with their members. They're like, oh, we're creating fresh content. People like it. The da- the Darhar fans might like it. They might like these rules. They like strat. They like these things. But I I, I think it's going to backfire. I really do. I think people, or especially new players, retaining new players is going to be the problem. Yeah it's just you can't you're making it so damn complicated that
1: it's like all right danny i want to show you this new game okay here's an encyclopedia read it yeah <laughs> it's and like damn and
0: this, and this, this demo game is going to take 16 hours to play yeah. so make you bring your sleeping bag bring yep. some food it's like what it's a long time for a game yep yeah. so
1: ultimately i don't know i just want to talk about this because i feel sad i feel mm. like there's all these things that we used to love are now just kind of like raped for money. It's yep. not like anybody but gives a crap. But that's
0: just the way world works, too. I Dude. Mean, it's, it's just, I get it, but it's also, like you said, it's just like, it's almost like death. We all are going to die one day. You know, we don't want to die. Like, yeah. life would be so much better if we didn't die. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just it's almost like a naive process that we go through. It just, it is what it is. I hate that. I know it's cliche and like a cop-out saying, but it is what it is.
1: I know. It's just, it's just a shame to see all of the things that, like, look what they've done with Ninja Turtles and oh, all yeah. that. Like, just. Oh, just that la- la-
0: la- the last cartoon, it, it, it gets so much bad feedback, they canceled it after the second season. Oh, really? Oh, it was horrific. The, the Ninja Turtle cartoon. Oh. is <laughs> awful.
1: Well. Anyway, I, I appreciate you talking to me about this because it's it's just a sad topic to me, but it is. I was doing some soul searching and I think that's why everything sucks now, is that there's no passion mm. for the project, you know? Yep. So anyway, thank you for being on McStorman. Yeah, man. And um thank you to GameMet.eu for supporting the show and thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good, small and patreon patrons. And we'll see you next week.